When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Booyakasha! This is Michelangelo, a.k.a. Greg Sipes. You're listening to Ninja Turtle Power Hour. That's what's up! Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I remain Mike Templeton. Wow. To this day. To this day, I am still he. <laughs> totally caught me off guard. I was expecting <laughs> Yeah. You know the guy who's been hosting this for the last year and a half? Get yeah, out of here. You know, yeah. yeah. Who's this guy? <laughs> You're not Mike Templeton? Get out of here. Oh, boy. Um, yeah, so everybody, hey, thanks for uh sticking around through all of that news last week. We know, uh, was that our second longest episode after the Tom Waltz one? Yeah, it is. It was a very <laughs> long episode, uh, very news heavy. So if you guys made it through, um, let us know because you would be uh, our favorite people. <laughs> yeah, you'll be an exclusive club of cool people. Yeah, very exclusive club. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, dude. Jenica is still coming back uh, in a couple. God, we're in March now, so uh, two weeks from this from when we're recording, Jenica yeah. or uh, Venus will Venus. be officially back. Yeah, it'll be an annual, which is interesting because I thought one twenty seven is going to be an annual. Well, not one twenty seven, but there's an annual coming at the end of March, like March thirtieth. Oh well, yeah. well one twenty seven is Venus's official comeback. Okay. I think they're out the same day. I think they're both out the 30th of March. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. 127 is the 16th. And then the annual, you said, is the end of the month. Yeah. Okay. They must have the wrong date listed in previews then. So you got March 30th. But. Is it- uh, well, yeah. No, according to, according to the press release we read last week, March 16th. Okay. So- Go to your comic shop every week. And yeah. that way you will not miss the comics. Well, set up a, set up a poll <laughs> at your comic shop. Yeah. And then they'll put the issue in there for you whenever it comes out. There's other great comics coming out right out right now. Like, I mean, I haven't even read it, so maybe I shouldn't, you know, maybe I shouldn't uh, try and, you know, I guess convince people to buy, try it, buy it. But Mike Mignola just came out with the first issue of Radio Spaceman, which just aesthetically I love looking at because it's <laughs> Mike Mignola, uh, very him. This is a Ninja Turtles podcast. So we have to do like six uh, well, degrees of separation from yes. Ninja Turtles. So Spencer, get us from Mike Magnolia to Ninja Turtles. Go. You know who I'd really love to see draw the turtles? <laughs> Mike Magnolia. <laughs> I wonder if he ever has. I don't think I don't think I've ever seen that art. Yeah, I mean, I I imagine he has. Like, you know, how many people haven't haven't drawn the turtles you know i feel like there's quite a few that have jack kirby has drawn the turtles which looks really cool 
glad I'm not recommending a comic book thing because I don't think I can get to I don't think I can Kevin Bacon my artist <laughs> turtles <laughs> all right but we're not talking about Mike Mignola today necessarily we, we got some we're new not? issues to talk about don't we what are we doing this week Spencer this week we're breaking in to volume three aka the image run aka urban legends aka what was that a good sound or a bad sound that was a yeesh ah. oh. <laughs> a little little pulling of the collar yep it's yeah. uh because if you uh grew up in the 90s uh not born in the 90s like spencer if you grew up in the 90s like keith and i you knew image comics was different than everything oh, that yeah. was coming out and who boy like this is this is this is peak image comics now i've i've read through this before i got urban legends as it came out i don't have any of the original comics though what, what's your guys's experience with this run same urban legends like i'd, I'd heard about it i kind of had read summaries i never thought i'd actually like get my hands on it to read it so when i saw that they were reprinting this i was super excited and then was wondering why no one else was talking about it <laughs> yeah i remember like the first time i heard about it was in college on the mirage website after i discovered that and i was like i've never i never even knew that they this existed and that like don became a cyborg and leo lost his hand and all this other crazy stuff so kind of cool what about you mike uh so i had learned about it in um in my research of like learning about all the different comic books. Um, but this is actually the first time I have ever read it. Awesome. Uh, I, I think I originally learned about it through the action figures um, because there was like a, um, it, I forget in like who made them, but there was Jim Lee's TMNT Jim Lee was a very popular artist. He was at he was one of the founders of Image Comics, um, and he had done some Ninja Turtle figures. And we've we've I think we've talked about him on the show before. Yeah. Um, but the they only released uh, Raph, Mikey, and Donnie. They never did a Leo. Um, but you know when you Google Jim Lee TMNT, you know it pulls up Image Ninja Turtles. So like oh, and then you know as when uh because i remember like when um volume four was first coming out too and reading about that in wizard magazine um there was a lot of talk about how volume four of ninja turtles skips entirely the image run and makes it non-canon and that was like a huge thing back in like 2001 when that first Mm. started happening it's weird to me that jim lee's designs were only used for the toys and not like like they don't really appear in any comics that I know of. No, like there's kind of strange the toys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I, I think that's probably that's probably the first where I first heard of uh, the volume issue. The the image volume three was um, was hearing that it was decanonized. Yeah. So at the time it's written, it's still canon to the mirage series like that's the way right. gary carlson wrote it is to be in the timeline of the mirage series nowadays peter Which kind, of implies... kind of blanket said like anyone that wasn't with mirage that doesn't count so yeah but... which kind of which kind of implies that like the original mirage comics like all of them were set in image comics mm-hmm. 
Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I don't want to get a little ahead of myself, but the way that the they have written that you know the ending for it that came out with Urban Legends is that like it almost actually feels like you could just include it in between two and four. You know, I don't think it really feels like it fits in, but the way it's written, it technically could. Uh, yeah. It goes by sitcom rules, like it kind of it doesn't like it goes back to the beginning, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it doesn't change anything. It's so a, a status quo. Status yeah. Quo. There you go. Yeah. So spoiler alert there, I guess. But all right, well, guys, I, does does that mean we're jumping in? Yeah. Let me Let's tell you the story. The ancient one did tell me a story. I think you guys would want to hear about Master Splinter's master, Hamato Yoshi. Well, let's hear it. So our story here begins in June 1996. Is when this was printed. Story is by Gary Carlson, artist is Frank Fosco, inks are Eric Larson and Chance Wolf. Colors, and this is for the Urban Legends version because it was originally printed in black and white. Adam Gazowski, letters, Chris Eliopoulos? I don't know exactly how to say that. I'm gonna, yeah. Eliopoulos is how I'm Eli- pronouncing it. Eliopoulos, yes, that, that yeah. sounds right. Editor, Eric Larson. Um, he's the original editor, and then they have as assistant editor Chase Marotz, editor Tom Waltz. So I, I'm curious as to how they were included in the editing process for these reprints, but they're credited as editors for this series in the Urban Legends books on the inside of the cover. And it says publisher is Gary Goldstein. So yeah, kind of kind of confusing there. I wonder what the details are on how they are credited as editors, what exactly they, they did. But anyway, our story starts with Donatello being blasted by cyborgs. Everyone rushes in from the other room in the lair and have no idea what is going on, but they get kicking cyborg butt. They kill one, but before they can take down the next two, a mysterious ninja babe in a bikini tells them to stop and has... Her sword at Shredder's, not Shredder, at Splinter's throat. Somehow, she has drugged him. At her mercy, the turtles have to let her escape to her helicopter with their master and Donnie, who is bleeding out. Uh, Donatello regains consciousness. He flashes back to moments before the attack. They were celebrating the turtles' 18th birthday. After receiving four baby turtles as a reminder to be grateful of their sentient lives, Splinter asks Donnie to get the cake. In the kitchen, Donatello is ambushed by the cyborgs. Uh, Donatello now jolts into consciousness and starts fighting the cyborg guarding him. The ninja lady, Pimico, can't risk Don messing things up, so she tilts her copter and sends Don and the cyborg out the side, plummeting to the city far, far below. Back at the lair, the other turtles are investigating the body of the cyborg that they decapitated. Turns out he's not dead. His body is on life support. His cyborg armor is parasitic and is keeping its host alive to keep itself alive. Raph decides to play mad scientist with it and stab goes to stab it with his sigh when it blasts him in the face, severely burning its uh, left side. Leo reacts by slicing the body up into tiny pieces. While Mikey is bandaging Raph, Splinter visits Leo in a vision from the astral plane. He lets Leo know where he is headed before being discovered and stopped from communicating. The end of that issue, anyway. Yeah, that picks up uh, 
TMNT Volume 3, Issue 2, originally published July 1996. Story by Gary Carlson, pencils by Frank Fosco, inks by Chance Wolf and Andrew Pepoy, colors for the Urban Legends version by Adam Gazowski, letters by Chris Eliopoulos, original series editor Eric Larson, uh, IDW editor is Chase Martaz, and publisher Greg Goldstein. So in the sky above New York, Donatello fights with the cyborg that he fell out of the helicopter with. Don manages to use the cyborg's gun to blow the head off the cyborg but tuck, before tucking his head into his shell and awaiting impact with the ground below. Pamiko and the remaining cyborg take Splinter to Lord Komodo's castle and throw him in his cell next to the murderous shark human Mako. The cyborg gets mad at Pimiko, blaming her for his buddy's dying, so she kills the cyborg and feeds him to Mako. In the sewers, we see Leo, Mike, and Raph carrying some belongings to their new headquarters, an abandoned mausoleum at the Westwood Cemetery. Leo gives the marching orders. He will try and contact Splinter again via the astral plane. Mike will use the computer they brought with them from Don's room to search for info on the internet, and Raph will check with his contacts in the Foot Clan to see if they know anything about Pamiko or her boss. Before he leaves, Leo gives Raph one of Casey's old hockey masks. Unknown to Raph, he's being tracked by Angel, one of Pimiko's ninjas. She reports into Pimiko about the turtle's location. Uh, Pimiko is helping oversee an experiment on Weasel, who is a bad Wolverine knockoff that Lord Komodo is experimenting on to see if he's an animal-human hybrid. Uh, it turns out he's just a regular mutant, so Pimiko decapitates him. Lord Komodo sends Pimiko back out to retrieve one of the turtles since they lost Donatello. Raph returns to the mausoleum later and pesters Leo while he's trying to meditate. They butt heads. Uh, Leo tells Raph to let Mike know what his foot contacts told him and to help with the internet search while he continues meditating. Suddenly, Leo is on the astral plane and he's being contacted by Donatello. Don thinks they're dead and leads Leo to his body, which is paralyzed and dying in an abandoned alley near the remains of the cyborg that fell with him. Raph and Mike are able to determine that there's 300 acres of land upstate owned by Komodo Inc., the company Raph's Foot Clan friends told him Pamiko works for. Now that they know where to look for Don and Splinter, they try to wake Leo and head out. However, Leo is deep in a trance, and Raph suddenly feels a pain in his back from three shuriken. He turns around to see Pimiko and her Kunoichi in the mausoleum. To be continued. To be concluded, question mark. Picking up an issue three in September of 1996, Eric Larson, Frank Fosco, and Ruben Rude uh, as the cover artist, writer by Gary Carlson, uh, Frank Fosco, Andrew Pepoy, and Chris Simopoulos. Yeah, I said that right. Iliopolis. Yeah, exactly. Raph and Mikey face off with Pimico and her ninja while Leo continues to speak with Donatello via the astral projection. Don is now back in his paralyzed body and suffering tremendous pain. Leo has to bid him farewell uh, to his brother and heads back to his body so we can help Don on the physical plane. On the way, Leo meets up with Master Splinter, who literally grabs him out of the astral plane air and informs his student that he remains a prisoner and cannot help, unfortunately, other than to escort Leo safely back to his body. In Lord Komodo's lab, the scientists informed the Dragon Lord that Splinter contains mostly animal DNA, which pleases the Overlord. 
Don encounters a hungry rat as he lies prone in the alley, and while Splinter is taken to meet Lord Komodo, the Dragon Lord informs Splinter that he is the heir of the Dragon Bushido spirit. His ancestors once ruled Japan, and he intends to do so again. Splinter states that he is honored to meet the heir to the Dragon Bushido and introduces himself as but a humble ninja. Komodo replies that his claim must be proven and orders two samurai to attack. Master Splinter defeats them easily. The Dragon Lord is upset that his elite guard fell so easily, but he bows to Master Splinter and apologizes for treating him so poorly. Splinter bows in return and the two share tea. Lord Komodo asks Splinter how he came to be in this form and the sensei retells, this, retells the story from issue one of, of volume one. Raph and Mikey continue to fight Pimico and her minions. Unfortunately, the villains get the upper hand by holding Leo hostage. Pimico tells Raph that she'll be taking Leo with her, but he awakens at that moment and escapes her grasp. The female ninja breaks the room's light bulb and she and her remaining ninjas flee. The guys give chase, but, seeing them, but see them flying off in a helicopter. As Leo and Mike watch, Raph arrives in a Triceraton air car that Don had just found in the sewers and finished, thinking that it was something that Zog, back from Return to New York, was working on. The turtles take off in the air car to help Donnie. Back at Lord Komodo's base, the Dragon Lord is showing Splinter a chamber that is filled with an anthropomorphic creatures that lie dead in tubes. Komodo explains, is that one of them must hold the key to splicing human and animal DNA. And discovering this secret will allow Komodo to unleash the power of the ancient dragons that slumber inside of him. Splinter questions if the deaths of many were so necessary, but Komodo brushes off the question and states that killing them was an act of mercy, as they were all savage brutes. As the two leave and walk down the hallway, Splinter is alarmed by the stench of carnage. Lord Komodo explains that this is probably the roadkill that they used to feed Mako, as he is, insists eating meat only. Just then, the huge shark mutant attacks, punching Dragon Lord in the face and knocking him unconscious, leaving Splinter alone to face the monster. Leo, Raph, and Mikey arrive at the alley where Donnie's body was because they find nothing but his skeletal remains. Dun, dun, dun. What a cliffhanger. I know, right? Well, you guess people are just going to have to come back in a couple weeks and we continue. <laughs> well, until then, why don't we talk about some things we noticed? Hey, uh, nice junk. For starters, Raph says he hates cyborgs, and he actually has fought one that he knew was a cyborg, because they fought Stockman, but they didn't know he was a cyborg. But he did fight Johnny Wu in Body Count, who has robot arms. There you go. Oh. But didn't we? Didn't we? Dis- didn't we discuss that? You know, that's not really canon. I mean, if that's the way he's drawn, was with robot arms. He's got robot arms. Just put. There's that like there's like cyborgs like Luke Skywalker, where he has like a robot hand, and then there's like cyborgs <laughs> with a Z. Like under, they're like they're drawn in this issue under the technical definition. <laughs> I mean, yeah, under yeah, the technical yeah. definition, yeah, everybody who has a robot microchip inside of them is a cyborg, right? Well, and this isn't the first time, at least one of the has mentioned that, that robots make their skin crawl. I know Leo's, I think it was Leo said it when they were fighting Mausers way back in volume one, issue two. Yeah, so it's kind of a running theme. It's, that's cool. I didn't pick up on that. Uh, I did pick up on two lines that are actually like references to the first movie, though. 
Michelangelo does a Cagney impression, which is something that he does in the movie when he's uh, showing off to April. Yeah, says, what's, that, what's that from? Oh, sorry, you you quote it, and then I'll ask you where it's from. <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, he says, you shot my brother, which is, and then Raphael in the movie is you like, you shot uh, my brother. Uh, mm. uh, that's not Cagney again. And Cagney's a, he's an old-timey gangster movie actor. Yeah. That was just kind of the way he talked. So it's, I don't, I don't know that it's from a movie necessarily, but it's just kind of a reference to how he talked. Okay. And then Leo, when he's cutting down the, the cyborg, he says that his katanas slice dice and are still sharp enough to make coleslaw. And that's when they throw up the pizza, Michelangelo says, the new, new turbo Ginsu, it slices and dices and can still make French fries or something like that. Yep. And that's from a, from like an old knife commercial. Uh-huh. Uh, this, this knife was so enough to sell, cut through a tin can and then also Ginsu a tomato. Knives. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those old like home shopping network type mm-hmm. of appliances yeah another reference that came up that i don't know what it's from do you guys it's where well, Raphael says calling dr howard dr fine <laughs> dr howard and just call me dr kevorkian so i knew that <laughs> i knew you were gonna ask that too yeah um so dr kevorkian is the famous uh dr death uh ah, okay who would yeah. who would uh help uh terminally ill patients uh n- not be so terminal anymore because yeah. they were dead. He was an advocate for assisted suicide yeah, yeah. okay what's up the, the doctor- dr howard dr fine part then dr howard that i didn't get but the dr kevorkian uh bit was definitely definitely that okay <laughs> yeah the- i didn't get that either i'm, I'm gonna look it up real quick because i ain't got me because I was, I, I was funny because I read it and I'm like, Spencer's going to ask about this. And yeah. I, did. I, I had no idea. <laughs> you you didn't disappoint because I knew exactly that you were. There was another TV reference and I'm, I forgot to write it down and I, because I laughed at it. It and must have gone way over my head then because I didn't Doc, pick up on it. Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, or Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard looks like it's from a Three Stooges bit. Um, uh, Mo Howard, um, and then the other two, <laughs> Curly, uh, Larry. One of the most recognizable pizza pieces of dialogue in the entire Three Stooges body of work is calling Doctor Howard, Doctor Fine, Doctor Howard. Oh, so there the you short go. Men in Black. So, from so we got a Three Stooges reference and a reference to Doctor Death. Wow. There you go. Yeah, Raph and Michelangelo's dialogue, especially in these comics, really reminds me of the 2K3 series a lot. Like the way they talk and kind of things like kind of reminds me of the 2003 cartoon. Uh, I'll usually hear their voices like from that cartoon. So that's the cartoon that I grew up with whenever I'm reading Turtles anyway. (laughs) But uh, definitely for this series, it's very strong. It is pretty edgy. Not going to lie. Uh, there's a part where Pimico says that Splinter is at least a seventh level ninja because he's like meditating and hovering. Uh-huh. And in the way back in the story, The River, uh, it's mentioned that Splinter is a 12th level ninja. So he's, he's well above the point where he should be hovering, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Unless they like, recon- you know, 
recon reconfigured the levels and did like a <laughs> did like a stat squish. So now everybody is. They 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 there were too many levels, so they brought them all down. That or he's he's just like playing down to his opponent. He's like, oh yeah, I'm only a seventh level ninja, and he's gonna like ah the dragon the Dragon right? Ball approach of hiding his right. key from his enemies. Yep, yep, yeah. Yep. Keeping those power levels low. Keeping those power levels low. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because it looks like Leo must be, you know, achieving about seventh level ninja levels if he's also starting to do astral plane stuff, you know. Or yeah. I mean, so. yeah, he's he's definitely a beginner because like I, I did like that Splinter specifically mentions like it's very dangerous if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah, that's he's maybe like fourth or fifth level. He's not like hovering in the at and in the physical world when he's in the astral plane yeah like splinter was so that's that's cool i like it guys i gotta think that this comic was supposed to be in color originally because like i just looked up scans of the the first issue in black and white and like i cannot tell what's going on but color adds so much to it yeah i, I oh think... i can't i cannot imagine reading this in black and white yeah and even like if you look by the third issue like it's much less heavily inked I, I gotta think it was a very late decision to put it in black and white. They could have been something that they're like, oh, let's just leave it in black and white and uh, say it's a homage to the original comic. Yeah. Yeah, the, the original <laughs> comic was in black and white. Yeah. Those nerds won't know the difference. Well, because Image wasn't known for doing black and white comics. Like, no, right. Full color, yeah. I, I don't know of any other book they've done that's been black and white image was definitely like splashy color and mm -hmm. you know because i think i may be wrong but they, i think image was like one of the first like comic book companies to really embrace like computer coloring for for their uh printing i think you might be right so i that just feels like an image thing to me i'm probably way wrong <laughs> but until somebody tells me i'm wrong i'm right so there you go and that's what matters yeah <laughs> Are you ready to talk about issue two? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, I mentioned already in my summary that the character Weasel is obviously Wolverine. I mean, yeah, I kind of wish you hadn't mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that that was just a funny, like little, like because it, it's very obviously Wolverine. Mm -hmm. um, right down to like he pops four claws, which I thought was funny. Uh -huh. Yeah. I, I think it's kind of funny because at this time there was like a lot of jabbing at each other between companies. Like I know I've seen people put up ads of like the X-Men that take jabs at Ninja Turtles, mm -hmm. you know, saying stuff like, uh, you know, like real mutants or these mutants aren't turtles or something yeah. like that. And well, so I feel like this is kind of a poke back, you know, at them having Weasel get his head cut off. Well, it's a, it's a little <laughs> bit more than, a lot. It's too. a little bit more than that because remember uh, Image was founded by former marvel artists yeah and so like they were sick of marvel at this point because of you know creators rights and all of that so like this was definitely more than just a playful jab this was like you know we're, we're, we're cutting the head off of your most profitable character guys yeah like, cathartic that, in a way that's, that's, that's sending a message mm -hmm. Uh, the only other note I have for issue two is that Mako is actually a Savage Dragon villain. So now we've had Savage Dragon meet the Turtles villain, Complete Carnage, and now the Turtles are meeting Mako, a Savage ah. Dragon villain. So Okay, I was wondering like why they would use Mako instead of like Armagon. You know, I mean, granted... I was wondering that too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I know. They, you know, he just had captured a shark mutant from Savage Dragon. 
And I don't know anything about the character outside of that. <laughs> like, that's the extent of my knowledge. But I think and it's I know cool I pronounced it Mako. I was just playing Final Fantasy VII, so yeah. that's I think it's quite cool that they're like they're already incorporating the turtles into the image universe proper as like a a shared yeah. area for the turtles to play in. You know, nothing, nothing in here. Like when it when it goes like hard image, it doesn't feel outside of what we've seen in Mirage already. Uh-uh. And it's like if if the turtles had been created later or like, or if Mirage had been created earlier, like turtles would, would absolutely have been a Mirage or a image book. Mm -hmm. Like 100%. Yeah. And that's, I don't know, to me, like that's the biggest thing is people sit and call this book like super edgy, you know, they were making the turtles all edgy, but honestly, like I really, I really don't see the difference between this in Mirage that much. Like it's really not that big a difference. Yeah. Like so far, it, this just feels like more Mirage. Yeah. It's a yeah. little, it's a little bloodier. Yeah. I was gonna which, say that. which again, where you're reading a nine, you know, a mid nineties comic. It, yeah. It, it's part of, it's part of the territory. Yeah. There's a part yeah. of me that wonders if it got that reputation a, because image was marketing it that way. And B because people were just coming off of like the movies and stuff, you know, the movies had ended now, you know, it's 96 uh the movies have ended the people that you know kind of grew up with the beginning of the cartoon are now like old enough that they're probably in comic book shops now and so they then pick up this turtles book and their original exposure to turtles is this cartoon and you know things like secret of the ooze and now they're reading this book and it's like incredibly just you know yeah well I mean, compared like, to what's coming I'm... out at the time like because the cartoon is still going right now yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Next Mutation has come out yet. So, like, compared to everything else that's coming out at the same time, like this is very much the dark horse part of TMNT. Yeah, remember this is this is the last year of the cartoon. Mm -hmm. We're you know 1996, uh, and then Next Mutation is the next year. Mm -hmm. um, so, for me, I was 11 when this book came out. Um, I wasn't really reading Image comics. Like, I knew about Spawn because um, if everybody were, knew about spawn. yeah if you were yeah. a kid in the 90s you everybody knew about spawn yeah um but like i wasn't 96 i don't remember if i was back in the comics at that time um like outside of x-men yeah because so, i know i know like later in middle school i was i was more in a actually yeah this was just before middle school yeah for me we are at year one bs that's uh one year before spencer <laughs> talk about some BS. so Jesus. damn young i know <laughs> <laughs> good lord oh boy but um but yeah like this is and that's the thing is like this comic would have been out you know actually yeah i was i'm pretty sure i was definitely reading comics again at this point um because i used to have like my aunt would take me to my comic book store i guess i just never saw these yeah but i just find it interesting that people call these edgy and then you also have people that talk about you know all oh, the 2003 series you know oh it's ninja turtles trying to be edgy and i never quite understood it because they never felt that edgy to me but i recently on the internet and like don't get me wrong, this figure looks great that this person made. It's a custom figure. But they took the Toon Turtles and turned it into the Last Ronin, which, like, 
you know, they did an amazing job of, of putting it together and it looks good, but I see it and it's like, it's super cartoony, you know, like it doesn't carry the same weight that like the comic book last Ronin has mm-hmm. uh, when you see him in that art style versus the tune one. And it just kind of made it like really apparent to me the massive difference between the two and like how people would really see that and be like, oh, it's the turtles trying to be edgy when, you know, they're used to that cartoony look. Everything's very cartoony. It's not, you know, not even remotely serious at all. <laughs> it, I don't know, it just kind of dawned on me upon seeing that. I was like, man, like that really does look really out of place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they did a great it, job. Don't get it. It is a cool figure. I know what you're talking about, but yeah. It, yeah. You can definitely tell us it's him. Should we talk about issue three real quick? Yeah. So the turtles have a flying car that apparently Zog a flying was flying car. Yeah. Mm. You're Kevin Smith. If you're a Kevin Smith fan, you understood that joke. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so apparently Zog was working on a flying car and it's it hasn't come up until now, but Donatello finished it, apparently. Yeah, and then just kept it hidden from everybody for yeah. a couple years now. Because remember, we know we know there's a timeline in these books. So yeah, it's very it's a very fluid timeline, but but yeah, think of it this way. Think of it this way. Donatello has found a mostly built flying car that he has now built. This is his baby. He doesn't want anyone using it. The second yeah, Donatello fair, he knows gone, his brothers. So the second Donatello is gone, Raphael is like, I'm gonna get the car. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and see, I so I always thought that. So they go to a mausoleum in this book. I always, I don't know why I thought they went to a church and I thought it was the same church that Raph had found back in volume two. Yeah. And perhaps it's a cemetery near that church or something, but we know like Raphael has some affinity for working on vehicles because he was doing it with Casey Jones in the farmhouse. So it's possible. Like this was kind of Raph and Don's secret side project. And that's why Raph knew where it was. And Mike and Leo didn't, that's just, this is all headcanon. Take it. Yeah. Big grain of salt, but. Mine is, is that Raph learned about it and Donatello was trying to keep it a secret. And now that Donatello is gone, he's going to absolutely take that chance. Yeah. To take that car out now because Donatello is super cautious and was like, no one touch it. I don't want anyone driving this. I don't even think I could dare test drive it because what if I break it, break it? And now Raph is, you know, using his chance to take it off. And when they get into the car, uh, they say, turbines to power and engines to speed and spencer do you know what that's from i do star trek oh no it's no, from batman it's from batman, oh, it's from batman. 1966 the old so that is West what yep. that is what um robin would say when uh they were powering up the batmobile before it left okay i've only yeah. seen bits and pieces of of the episodes from batman i mean really all you need to watch is the movie the movie really it is the best batman movie uh by far easily easily the best one none of the others even have shark repellent it's true the only <laughs> the only batman movie that comes close to 66 batman is batman versus tmnt obviously obviously i know for me that's my favorite batman movie personally is the one that features the ninja turtles uh yeah weird we're a little Crazy. biased yeah, um, six degrees from Ninja Turtles, right? <laughs> yeah, I, but no, I, I caught that joke and I was like, ha, nice. Yeah. Uh, the only other note I had for this issue uh, at the end when Lord Komodo is showing like all the things in the tanks that are, they're like dead half animal creatures. 
The last one looks like it might be Cerebus. It's got like this, a similar snout. It, it looks like an aardvark. Yeah. Um, it's like short and like stumpy. And then like in, you know, reading it in guided view, I was able to zoom in a little bit more. And it's got like those flat elephant type feet oh, uh, yeah. that Cerberus has. So it could have been a joke. Had Dave Sim gone like, Full, full send on all of his ideologies at this point with Cerebus? I don't know, but I know Cerebus has a crossover with Spawn sometime in this in this time frame. Oh, so all right. mean, this this isn't this is this wouldn't be his only image appearance if, okay. if it is a cameo. Huh, interesting. Yeah. I could yes, it's probably just a cameo. Well, if that's all the Easter eggs everyone's got and all the things we have to talk about here, are we ready to talk about anchovies? I think so. Yeah. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I call legend low. So there is like, I guess like one kind of small complaint I have for, for this is as far as something that's supposed to be picking up from volume two, it doesn't really feel like it's there on the level of development that was happening in volume two. Oh, absolutely. Like um, it, yeah, it kind of feels I, like undid what they were doing there a little bit. I hated the way this started. I was so confused. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Yeah, it was actually, I was on Reddit and someone someone else had started this series and they were like, did I find the right book? And, you know, I typed. Oh, like, I remember that thread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I typed yeah. like, you know, LOL and stuff like that. But I, I said that because I literally did that exact same thing when I sat down to read it just recently. Uh, I like had to stop after I picked up issue one and was like, look at the cover to make sure it was issue one. <laughs> I did. The, I did the exact same thing. I like, I had to restart the book in comiXology and I was like, I was like, is this, am I reading the right book? Like, or like, did issue one get deleted? I was like, no, it said one through 13 were collected in here. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was just so confused. And then it's like, when it finally like does the flashback in issue two, I was like, okay. Yeah, yes. The, the best I can tell is like at the end of volume two, they're still living with Casey and April in the apartment. The best I can tell, like if you remember, Leo found a sewer layer that he thought would work. Mm-hmm. It's possible they all moved into there and also brought Splinter from the, the forest of, of Northampton. Yeah, because yeah, he was totally gone for volume two, you know. So, but none of that's explained. It just starts out with a, a big invasion of cyborgs. Yeah. Well, like, yeah, I think that's my. I think it's my biggest disappointment is that like what Spencer said, like this doesn't feel like a continuation of volume two. Yeah. Like Michelangelo was living in the basement of April in Casey's apartment. Leo was living. Yeah. I found his like own little sewer layer area. So like the only thing I could come up with is like, I guess they're all maybe just meeting at Leo's for the birthday party. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, a good, that's a good, that's a good head cannon. Yeah, like that, that's kind of the best way to probably describe that. And then, you know, from then on, they've all got a plan together. So they all have to move back in together, I guess. Because like as this goes on, like Mikey does go later on in the series, does go back to down in the basement of, of mm-hmm. April and Casey's apartment after things are done. Uh, after things. Oh, are- yeah, that was the question I was going to have. It was like, do April and Casey and Shadow even show up? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they do. So Mikey, Mikey will go back to living in their basement again later. So it seems like as things have kind of hit the fan, they kind of just grouping together for now to solve this problem of Splinter disappearing and Donatello being gone. 
That's a problem that requires every all hands on deck. Mm-hmm. My big complaint with issue one, and it, this is kind of like the entire, it gets better over time, but my complaint with the entire volume and like one interaction is right in issue one, which is like Raph gets shot right in the face. And Michelangelo is like, ah, oh, you're not going to win any beauty contests anytime soon. It's like, that's your brother who just got half his face melted off, dude. Like, yeah, a little tact, you know? Like, yeah. They just don't really seem to care about each other at all. Like, uh, you know, Donatello, as far as I know, is dead and they don't seem too concerned. In fact, I think Michelangelo makes that you shot my brother joke right after that. So, like, yeah. Mm. Yeah, like, they they don't necessarily, like, Raph and Mikey kind of do. And then, like, I think Leo is, Leo definitely feels, because, I mean, he slices up the robot after blasts wrath mm-hmm. but but you're right like the dialogue between them like feels really weird like they don't feel like brothers yeah. they feel more kind of like just jokey friends playing pranks on each other part of it too like this especially the first couple issues like it just moves so fast there's not like time to stop and more in the shooting of your brother or anything but yeah yeah, well, the other thing is, like, they have been through some pretty tough spots, so maybe they're kind of, you know, having that, like, where teenagers were invincible, there's no way he's actually dead kind of mentality. I mean, yeah. well, I was going to say, they're 18 now, but... Yeah. Because that, that, that's, that's, I mean, that's an important thing, too, is, like, they turn 18 in this yeah. book. Yeah. But I guess you're right, as far as they know, like, it was just a while ago that Raph was thrown off a roof and he was fine so yeah. <laughs> I mean they've been through this enough that it's not that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah um, and I was like you know one time an artist painted on my chest and I keeled over and passed out so this is nothing <laughs> yeah one of my one of my big complaints and this is another one that kind of goes for the whole series but it, it, you know it's definitely showcasing these showcased in these issues is horny turtles Yep. Oh yeah, that's that was mine for issue two. Is like Michelangelo is just he continues to be such a skis. Yeah, when it comes to like Pimico and yeah, it's it's all the time. Like in in issue three, like Splinter it gets that bath and he's just like, my sons would be so jealous or something like that. Like yeah, being surrounded by feminine beauty. It's like this is weird. Like yeah, you know, like that's I your thought right now. Like, yeah, like yeah. horny. But again, after he saw his son that. get shot and kidnapped, this is yeah. what he's doing, you know? Yeah, Splinter is very, like, doesn't care about Donatello. Yeah. Or he's Which just is really weird because right Donatello, to... Donatello was the one that took care of him and, like, yeah. stayed behind at the farmhouse with him. It's just, yeah, it's just weird. I don't like horny turtles is, is wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, but speaking of, extra horny in this book uh pimico's costume good lord is very 90s very image yeah well the thing is is like she's wearing like nothing right but at the same time feels like she's wearing nothing at all it's so busy like there's so many like things on there so it's like a really awful design and i kind of realized the one thing that would make her design so much better and it's pants like if you just gave her red pants and didn't have like all the the extra like random straps on her legs like just give her pants you know if you want to have some more skin showing maybe like do that legging thing where you like you have like cutouts yeah. down the sides of them and like leave it at that you know maybe also give her a longer cape and the design would be like that much better because i don't know if i like yeah. the short you know like also maybe maybe have it over the entire body 
How about that? Uh, like instead of just instead of just pants, mm-hmm. make it a whole black undersuit. Yeah, she's a ninja after all. Yeah, right? yeah. Nothing like, says it's ninja a lot like of exposed skin. Yeah. Well, and like uh, shiny studs on your mask, like that can't be good for. Well, they're not studs. They right? they are spikes. Still, like, why on your yeah. mask though? Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it looks. Cool. I mean, wait, okay. To be to be to in in Pimico's defense, the shredder exists. Yeah. Oh, okay. And so, just saying. Yeah, I like the mask. I actually do like the mask. I like the high yeah. ponytail. Like I said, I if they just gave her pants, like the like the costume design would go up. You know, I that's like the this, thing. Is this, like, this feels is... this feels like they wanted to try and make an even sexier like Psylocke from X-Men <laughs> and it like it just doesn't work yeah uh, yeah and so like that's kind of my thing is like you can kind of like I don't know to me that it almost be something like almost stylish like I feel like you could see like a uh, like someone like Nicki Minaj wearing something like with pants like what Pimico has as far as like the the top and everything <laughs> you know like there there are people who dress like that out in the world so it's like one of those things where I'm saying, if you just gave her pants, the costume would be like that much better. Just throwing just that out. A decent pair of pants. <laughs> I'm not saying uh, you know, I that in a while. They could do a full body suit and it would probably look great. And I'm not. Solomon Grundy wants pants too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you just gave her pants, guys, just right. give ladies some pants. The costume would be much yeah. Better. It's 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 just, it's not a good costume. Uh, we're gonna, I mean, we're gonna po- have posted a picture of Pimico on our socials by now, so <laughs> you'll know what we're talking about when this episode comes out. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just not a good costume. Um, but kind of along that line, and this is my anchovy for kind of all three issues so far, is that the art varies wildly in quality for me. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's 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 that early image '90s, and I get it. Um, but I, I feel like by issue three, the art gets lazier. Yeah, there's there's definitely as the series goes series goes on, it kind of sucks. But there's kind of a decline. Uh, yeah, I it, so that's one of the things that makes me think that the color was a last minute addition because I think it's like way too detailed in the beginning to be black and white, and so. Fosco kind of like pumped the brakes on on all the cross hatching and, and extra shades and you know there's different inkers and stuff but yeah it does get a little a little bland and empty as it goes. Mm-hmm. But but even just like there there's a there's a panel where it's um, Komodo and and uh, Splinter walking and like Komodo was literally just a square with hair on it yeah there's another there's another panel where he doesn't even have like facial features he just has like two triangles for eyes and a line for a mouth like there's no nose there there's no yeah it's like defining features it's just it, it just feels very rushed yeah well and uh, the one thing i will say about that is you are reading because you're reading this one digitally right yeah are you like swiping like panel to panel so that they're enlarged i do read guided view yeah so if you read guided view sometimes those panels where things are supposed to be smaller panels uh you know are now huge and you can now see like all of the lack of detail i mean i i get that mm-hmm. but i mean but that but that just that just means it's zooming in on the original art 
Yes, no, for sure. It, it is zooming in on the original art and like it isn't very detailed. Don't get me wrong. But you can get away with it, I'm saying, a little easier when it's actually on a page. And it's well, hang on. Let me zoom out. And no, it still looks, <laughs> it okay. still looks like a square. All right. But yeah, it's... Uh, and, and that's the thing, because like not all of it is bad, because like Mako looks really cool. Yeah. Um, especially like where he's towering over Splinter at the, at the end of their walk through the hallway. Like, that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um. It just it just feels bad that like everything else is kind of like all over the place. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's it for my for my anchovies for these. Yeah, it kind of covers mine too. Yeah. Oh, actually, I have... I do have one line of dialogue that uh, a cool couple that I didn't like. One is like Raphael saying he'll carve his name in Pimico's butt. Like it's... Uh, I I lumped that in with horny turtles. Yeah, it's kind of part of like <laughs> yeah. horny turtles. That's just so weird about it. Anyway. It's like it feels like that, but at the same time, it's like, ew, that's gross. But anyway, yeah, yeah, it, it's weird. And the other thing is, is Donatello is the smart turtle. And when he sees the cyborgs, he's like, are you guys part of the surprise? And it's like, dude, you're 18 years old. Yeah. You know, do you really think like Splinter just knows cyborgs? Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he invited them over for the party at your lair, you know, at Don, you know Leo's secret home under the suit in the sewers. Yeah. So, yeah, that was that was pretty stupid. Yeah, it was one of those moments where I'm kind of like, really, like this is this is what you have going on. But anyway, like Donnie, you do machines. Come on, yeah, yeah. yeah. Y- you know better. And that's it. All right, I will. Yeah, now. like that. Well, now you got me. Now you got me thinking about it because, like, it's it is it is really weird that like he does that, and then it 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 feels weird because they like kind of just show up and then like just start blasting, start blasting. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about things we did like, though. Woo! Oh, I love being a turtle. As a whole, I actually like these three issues. I do too. Same. Yeah. Uh, I the action moves, you know, very quickly. Um, I didn't. Other than like the way it opened with with like, you know, like a. Huh. You're probably wondering how I got, you know, this is me. You're probably wondering how I got into this situation. Mm-hmm. Like if it hadn't opened like that, I, I would have, I would have loved all three issues, but, um, but as a whole, they're not bad. No, I, I really like the image series. I, I think it, it definitely has its flaws, but I think yeah. there's more good than bad in it. I think it's a good series. Um, yeah. Frankly, like I, I like Fosco's art. Um, I, I like the way he draws the turtles and like, they have their masks down when they're not fighting, which is like something we never see. Usually it's like they're painted on their face. Yeah. I really like that first, that very first page of Don getting shot. Like that's, I know it's confusing because you don't know what's going on, but like that is a great single page. I, yeah. I think it doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of, in, in by the time it gets to issue three is what I was talking about. Like how it kind of, that's where I don't like it anymore, but the turtles themselves like don't really ever look bad. Um, even when Raph is missing half of his face, which is hilarious that like that's the first issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it comes out literally guns blazing. <laughs> it's yeah, like geez. And then it's it's really funny because like you, you know, you share that picture of Raph getting half of his face blown off and just watching the reactions of people who like didn't know that this happened. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I really do like, you know, I really do actually like Fosco's art, especially at the beginning. I really love the turtles, the way the turtles look too. 
And I actually think that the reason why they did all that stuff at the very beginning where they have Donatello die and kind of become a cyborg and why they have... Wait, what? Just kidding. (laughs) It's on the cover of issue one. The whole thing, yeah. (laughs) I'm kidding. But, uh, and they've got, you know, half of Raphael's face blown off. I think it was to make it so that you could tell all the turtles apart and still keep the red headbands. Because now for Leo, you know, he'll always have like, you know, his swords on. So you can kind of see the, the straps there. So, you know, if there's, you know, no straps and his face is intact, it's Michelangelo. If there's straps, it's Leo. If he's got Casey's mask on or, uh, you know, giant cyborg man. Yeah. Like each one is very easily now. That makes, that makes sense. Even before that, like when they're first fighting, Michelangelo has a party hat on, so you can even tell him apart from Raphael even better. I did, I did like that the party hat stayed on yeah. for the entire fight. Yeah, <laughs> um, I thought it was funny. Like you know, Donatello was wearing a party hat too when he was shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually like the turtles' banter and, and their dynamic in this series. You know, like when uh, when they go to the mausoleum and. Raph like tries to scare Michelangelo by popping out of one of those body drawers and like Mikey like slams him in it. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you look like a mummy. And Raph's <laughs> like, you're the guy that wrapped my face, dude. Like you you've seen it. You know what I look like. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> uh I speaking of that, I really like them living in a mausoleum. It is of. cool. Yeah. I yeah. think I think that's a that's a cool like you know, I love them living in the church in IDW. Mm-hmm. Um I think a mausoleum's a cool thing too. Yeah, no, it's definitely up there. One of my top favorite layers, like church and mausoleum, probably my, my top favorite layers. Yeah, dig it a little bit more than the sewer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually like Pimico. She needs pants, but I like <laughs> Pimico. Like, oh, God, she had this, she had one line that cracked me up because it was so bad. Uh, and it was like, one of the one of the guards like addresses her as like my lady she's like i am not a lady oh, yeah. i am a ninja i am a warrior and i was like okay <laughs> right yeah that part's weird you but, sure are but overall i like the idea of pimico and as it kind of goes on she'll have more to a little bit more to do with the story and as she develops so i actually i do like the character i think it would be really cool if they found some way to bring her back in idw I think it it feels a little weird because like she um because like we are I mean we've are, we're we're post Karai at this point. Yeah. And yeah. assume and assumedly like she Karai is Mikey's foot contact still. Maybe. Like Raph, there's probably a there's probably Raph, a foot yeah. branch a uh, Raf. Um yeah. there's probably a foot branch still in New York, but yeah. like you know, it would make sense that Karai would still be the one to contact. Um, so it's, it's a little, it's a little weird that like Karai exists and then like Pimico isn't, yeah, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is like Karai in this series, isn't really a villain. She's, you know, kind of more like an ally for the turtles, uh, you know, just in, in the Mirage books in this universe. Um, and so like, they don't really have like an evil ninja, lady you know to fight and so pimico kind of fills that role and there's other things that kind of she builds into that may have been kind of folded into karai later but um so reading a little bit about pimico uh apparently gary carlson's intention for pimico was that she was going to be karai's dead daughter that she mentions back in city of war 
Oh wow! Oh, interesting. Yeah, they didn't huh. do that in the <laughs> well. Spoiler alert! Ending. Well, they didn't yeah. do that in the ending. So, uh, and then uh, Pimico comes back actually in uh, from Sophie Campbell. Uh, so, so I mean, she... but in, but in, but in her fan comic. Exactly. That's <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Was it like, was in Sophie uh, Campbell's fan funny. comic, so she's called Oroko Pimico in that yeah. one. It's a it's a cute design. It's, so it's Sophie's uh, fan comic, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Secrets of the Ooze, which is loosely based on the film Secret of the Ooze. Yeah, I, I think it would be really cool. Like, if like for example, they could have an arc in IDW where you know Karaya is challenged by someone for control of the foot, and it's Pimico. You know, like that would be a cool story. Yeah, just give her there. pants. Just give her pants, you know. Just a give her pants. Pair of pants. Use a pair of pants. I know. I know, Spencer. You don't know what that's a reference to. And after this, just... I'm going to send you a, a video clip that's going <laughs> to blow your little mind. But Grundy <laughs> wants pants too. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a good bit. Um, can we talk about how cool it is that Raph still has contacts in the Foot Clan? Like, I I think that's like one of the cooler yeah. things that comes out of this this whole run is that. You know they've they've made a truce, but like Raph is the one who's kind of like the go between between the Foot Clan and the the Hamato Clan. You know, I think that's really cool. I like I like the Turtles' plan too. Like it, it, I'm on to issue two now, but like they've they've been defeated now. Uh, they've lost their master and their brother. And Leo like right away is like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a three pronged approach. Like you find information here, you find information here, and I'm gonna do stuff on the astral plane. Yeah. I think all the stuff on the astral plane is really cool too. Like yeah. meeting Don and, and seeing the body and all that. Like that's really cool. That's something we haven't necessarily seen a whole lot of yet. Yeah, I like astral plane stuff in Ninja Turtles. It's a cool area yeah. to explore that makes the world a little bigger. Yeah. Uh, brings in new stuff. And uh, I also like Splinter's interaction with his sons in the first issue. Like to me, he kind of finally kind of hits that fatherly stride there that we've kind of been never had in series. mirage yeah. yeah like it, it's kind of is missing there and so i like that yeah we kind of got to hit that that beat there and get to see him being fatherly yeah um another thing that i like just a small detail is that when donatello is falling from the sky he doesn't tuck his arms and legs inside his shell he like just you know tucks like a human would with his arms on the outside of his shell and his legs and you know has his shell falling and hitting the ground in my opinion it's the best way to do that and have them use their shells i've never liked it when they tuck their limbs in so i really like that they did that i told you man they have telescoping bones that's what allows <laughs> that to happen <laughs> but yeah it, it, i'm glad they didn't try and force that in there i think it would have looked a little out of place yeah i, I just like it um Oh, wow. I've already talked about a lot of the things I like in issue two already. <laughs> I already mentioned that I actually do kind of like the Wolverine parody. Uh, mm. I think it's funny. I don't know, just to see the the jabs, the back and forth between companies. It's it's just funny. Uh, I don't take it like super seriously. Like, yeah, you you take it to you, Marvel. I just <laughs> I just think it's funny. Yeah. Um, issue three, I think there's some really cool bits in the fight scenes, like Pimico like throws a uh, shuriken right at Raph and he like deflects them, but he like catches them on the end of his side. That's uh -huh. so cool. I love that. And then they, he leaves Michelangelo to like defend Leonardo. And uh, then like the ninjas come with their dragon Leonardo and Michelangelo just like crawls forward. He's got like arrows all sticking out of his back. He's like, 
Raph, I tried, man. <laughs> I, think I mean, it's, it's there's something about that scene in general with Leo being in a trance and them having to defend him that I just I really like. Yeah, uh, you know, kind of like that suspense thing of like, oh man, he's in a trance. He's his body is here, but he is elsewhere, and we must protect him until he's finally out of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I like that a lot. Now I when I was buying these, I bought the like the newer covers that came out with uh, Urban Legends because like Frank Fosco did a new cover for each issue, and I believe uh, Eastman did as well. But they also released like the original covers. I'm kind of kicking myself because like the original covers for this volume are so good. And it really starts with like number three with like Mako eating Michelangelo on the cover and the other two turtles fighting them. And uh-huh. just, I, I was looking through like a, all the covers. I'm like, man, the covers for the series are just amazing. Do yourself a favor, get on comic vine and just look them up. They're, they're awesome. Yeah. I got some of the B covers for urban legends, which are the original covers for the stories. I'm not a fan of Eric Larson drawing the turtles because that that first issue cover is very rough, in my opinion. Well, they got weird shaped heads too. Yeah, like well, that's because that's the way Eric Larson drew. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we saw that in the Savage Dragon crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the the art is re- the covers are really really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I also like Donatello's like almost like it's like, almost like a little horror story. Where he's like paralyzed on the ground and he doesn't know if he's being like eaten by rats or you know he's like oh man that rat could totally be eating me and i don't i don't feel it like it's like this there, there's like a interesting psychological horror there with like being paralyzed and not being able to feel your body and like wondering what is going on around you mm. that is kind of interesting and is once again something that we've never really yeah. seen in turtles i feel like quite yet well that rat went to town because when the other turtles get there he's just a yeah. skeleton <laughs> <laughs> so okay so i didn't read ahead but obviously you know the dead cyborg parasite body that's next to him uh like obviously like he gets absorbed by that Mm -hmm. um but i did i did think that was neat how like i guess it implies that he has no bones like just all of his skin and organs just get transferred into the cyborg body yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how it exactly worked. I haven't read this in a minute, and I only read through the whole series once, so I can't remember why exactly there's still a skeleton there or not. That one actually surprised me, I guess, for a second time when I read this story, just like the opening. Yeah, I don't know that it's ever explicitly mentioned that, like, the robot replaces your bones or something like that, but it must have, yeah. it must have only needed the, the soft tissue to survive, so that's all it took. I guess we'll find out. I gotta say, man, like I, I am so glad to be reading this series again because I, I enjoyed it the first time I read it, but like now I have hindsight on my side, and mm-hmm. I'm just seeing like how good the series really was. I, I think it gets a bad rap sometimes, but to me, I, I really enjoyed it the first time. Yeah, I think it's great. I'm, I'm excited to read it again. Yeah, it, it's fun. It takes the plate turtles in new directions and new places we haven't seen before, uh, and it's, it's not poorly written. Like it's, it's yeah. good. It, yeah. yeah, it's Carlson it's not, really knows these a, characters. It's yeah. not a bad start. It's it's a weird start because like it doesn't like we said it doesn't feel like it comes off of volume two, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad start. And I'm kind of excited to read the rest of it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Like I said, it's it's a good it's a good story that yeah, like a lot of people complain about and call too edgy and all sorts of other things. But really, I think it's it's pretty solid. 
So if uh, you guys did your homework, like we told you to last week, and you read along with this, was it your first time reading this book as well? Let us know. Excited to hear your thoughts. I, you Like you two are like the first people I've ever talked to about this book. <laughs> I, you know, I... <laughs> I believe that because I don't know if this book get like you said, I don't, you never hear anybody talk about volume mm-hmm. three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was, I like, this book is why it became known as the Ninja Turtle guy at my comic book shop is because I go in and I was the only guy getting this book. I think like, I don't know if anyone else was, you know, but I would go in and pick up this book uh, every, you know, every month and read it. And yeah. Props to IDW for even reprinting it. Like, yeah. On paper, it doesn't seem like it would work because, I mean, it didn't work the first time. But <laughs> thank goodness they put it out. I was excited to read it. Yeah, like, it's it's one of those things that's, like, I'm really glad that it's preserved. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Me too. Well, should we talk about our news? I think we should roll into the news. This is April O'Neil of Channel 6. Thank you. So good news is that there's not as much news as there was last week. <laughs> You're not going to be sitting here for another, you know, hour. Which again, if you guys sat all the way through that, thank you. Let us know if you did. Because um, yeah, whew, that was a lot. And we even had to add that bit for about Venus because that literally dropped the morning after we recorded. So that was annoying. It's crazy. It's always the day after that we record that something comes out. Yeah. Which is weird because the rule is Turtle Tuesday. Yeah. We record on Wednesday. We record on Wednesday. But what what do we have this week? What's new in Ninja Turtles? Um, Nothing. Yeah. Like we covered (laughs) Venus, you know? So, like, I, yeah. um, Like we we already talked about Venus. Um, Volume six of the Ultimate Collection is out in paperback now. That's like the one with all the short stories that were written by Kevin Eastman and and or Peter Laird. Uh, So there's a lot of fun ones in that one that I like. Uh, So if you haven't read that, we're checking out. Cool. It's a lot of fun. Other than that, I don't think there's anything. Okay. So the only real bit of news that we've got this week uh, is kind of a leak. And you know our policy here about leaks. We don't like to do it unless, you know, it's verified in a couple different ways. Um, but, uh, so some good sources, uh, I think we talked about last time, um, Kevin Eastman did a little video for target, uh, you know, target store, their upcoming holothon event for collectors. Um, and in his video, there are two NECA figure packs in the background that you, that are kind of hard to make out, but eagle eyed fans, uh, were able to deduce that at least one of them is, Super Bebop and Mighty Rocksteady, the robot versions from that classic episode uh, that we talked about back doing our season three run. Yeah, Is it season three or season four, I can't remember. They all uh, season three. I think we're just barely into season four. So. Okay, so then, so the classic like robot versions of Bebop and Rocksteady. Um, so it looks like they're actually getting action figure versions of them. Um, that people were able to figure it out by I think. Um, I forget how the, uh, there's like a bunch of like the barcodes leaked online. And so like people were scanning them and you know, some of them don't pull up anything and they have code names like the 
uh, Catwoman of Channel 6, um, you know, that set, that box set is codenamed Tucson in their in uh, Target system. So if you bought it, like your receipt says Tucson on it. Um, so I forget what the name for this one was, but somebody like used that list of barcodes, scanned it, and the pictures show in the inventory. So there you go. There you go. So uh, we haven't shared those pictures on our socials yet, but um, I mean, we may. <laughs> they're, they're, they're pictures of the scanner at Target. They're not great pictures. Yeah. But it's cool that they're being, um, you know, they're officially there. Um, like they're in the system at Target. So it could be, you know, for that holothon event. I forget when that's coming. It's, it's soon. Um, hopefully it's not by the time this episode comes out. Uh, the other thing was the other thing that they found was a glow in the dark Muckman action figure. Um, so very similar to the one that super seven did for their glow in the dark Muckman. Um, it, it's cool. I'm not a Muckman fan, but for is it people, a NECA version of Muckman? It, it's, it's the NECA Muckman, okay. but glow in the dark. Do the original playmates glow in the dark or is that just like something they've added over time? I think it's just something they've added over time. The original, I mean, I never had the original either. Like I said, I've never, I either. I've never been a fan of Muckman. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, not, I, 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 I got, I got no, and the turtles in the game here. All right. So Super Bebop and Mighty, Mighty Rocksteady, a classic episode of the 87 cartoon. And speaking of Spencer, what are we doing next week? Next week, we're heading back into the cartoon. We're going to talk about issues not issues episodes seven eight and nine from season four so that's the turtle maniac rondo in new york and planet of the turtles yes three absolute classics that i I can't remember ever watching but guys thank you again for listening to the show we love you love you love you uh if you have a friend that likes talking about turtles let them you know, let them know about the show we we you know love for them to check it out uh there's a couple people it's it, it's it always blows my mind like you know we'll see discussions on reddit and then people like use our podcast as like <laughs> as, source. like sources yeah and it's it's the most humbling feeling um because like it really kind of validates you know our love of turtles and that we really pride ourselves to bring the like when it's information or discussion like we really do pride ourselves on trying to be the most fair and you know the most accurate when we report news so so it was a huge thing when we broke the the venus news last week um i mean from we got it from io9 but like the second it went live on io9 we had our stuff up so it's it's really cool you know seeing people use this as a source um but yeah follow us on all the socials twitter instagram facebook at ninja turtle ph um and uh yeah we love you yeah no like in in like you were saying you know when it comes to episodes the other thing that i love seeing is that like after we cover something you know suddenly you'll see like a discussion pop up on it on somewhere uh, yeah. on whatever our subject was that week it's always cool to see yeah and it's like it's like hey we just talked about that on the show is it a know? coincidence maybe maybe not is, yeah like yeah. <laughs> did did somebody <laughs> learn something like you know we, we hope so yeah, yeah is we, it one we, of we, us with a different username <laughs> 
uh, <laughs> cannot confirm nor deny. I know it's yeah, not it's, me. I don't know. That it's, it's definitely not, it's not me though. pretending to be it's, other people. It's not me. Okay, which good, was good. which was really funny today because I posted I posted some screen grabs of of the IDW comic and then I Spencer I'm I'm assuming it was you on was Twitter. Me. Oh, it was you? Yeah, it was me. Uh, okay, so like it was it was like Spencer's replying on our podcast one and I usually run the 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 Twitter for the podcast and people assumed I was talking to myself. <laughs> and I'm like, no, this time I'm genuinely not. <laughs> I should have hyphen Spencer. If you know if the podcast ever like talks at Mike, it's me. I well, I told people is that the tell is, is I don't ever capitalize anything mm. unless yeah. it's unless it's like the name of something. But I type, capital I don't do capitalization for like the first letter of a sentence. I, I type with very proper grammar and punctuation unless I like mess up, you know, unless it's a typo. And I speak Twitter, so that is how you can tell who's talking. I, I type in text like an old man. Like even my texts are like good <laughs> and everything. It's the way I am. Anyway, that's our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. He's got a lot of cheesecake pictures of Terry Hatcher. <laughs>
Artemisia, yeah. Yeah, Artemisia. Like, that's Jenica. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. that is 100%. prototype Jenica. Yeah. I've uh, discovered a new band this week that I hadn't heard before called Pet Needs that I've been really liking. Pet yeah, Needs? Yeah, they're going to open for Frank Turner when he comes and, and so Frank Turner? Like, yeah, dude, I freaking love Frank Turner. He's like I'm one of my favorite, favorite artists. But, I was kidding. I don't know who Frank Turner is. Great. He's like a... He originally kind of started off in like the folk punk realm mm. and then kind of has, I don't know, been on a journey. He kind of almost is like a, country is just more like like punk country in a way, but he's British as well. It's, it's interesting. I really like it. Punk tree. Mm. Yeah. He kind of, kind of has some influence from like Bruce Springsteen. Like, like it kind of goes on. Uh, like definitely his tape deck hard album is kind of more of like a Bruce Springsteen influence to it. Uh, the instruments and stuff. It's, it's really good but yeah pet needs is is the band that i've discovered this week and i'm really digging them they're you know punk a punk band as well but they got this song called pavlovian that's about being addicted to the internet which i like find as a personal personal attack <laughs> i was actually i was looking them up and that's the song that came up and i was trying to kind of listen to them while, uh-huh. you, were, while you were chatting there yeah it doesn't sound too bad yeah i mean i i like punk so you know for i feel like for most people whenever you play like punk they're like this is obnoxious <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't want to hear this yeah have you ever heard of the band hosting monsters uh-uh you should look them up sometime they're pretty good that one is new to me host my old band huh oh cool <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah we're kind of a punk band kind of more on the metal side but punk core is what we called it so you're on spotify yep cool yeah. I don't give hey, it we're on spotify we are on spotify that's true yeah don't just let anybody on there huh i know <laughs> i'll just let anybody on spotify yeah so i stopped playing with them i think my last show was in november and they have a, a new drummer now they're their next show is in april so I'm, I'm glad they continued on without me i was always afraid that like if i quit that was gonna be it but yeah they, they've continued on so lives on yeah well and i got to a point i'm like you know it's the reason i'm doing this is so that travis and aj and keenan will have something to do and like that's not a good reason to be doing something you know <laughs> for other for other for fear of other people not having a hobby you know yeah I mean, I've always wanted to be in a band, so I, you know, I consider you lucky. I think it'd be a lot of yeah. fun. It's yeah, it's it's fun. <laughs> Didn't sound too <laughs> sure of yourself. <laughs> it started off very fun. It, it quickly got a little overwhelming, but yeah, yeah, I get you. And also, like, I think we, I think we were together for six or seven years and had six or seven songs, so it also got kind of just boring on top of that yeah yeah if it takes takes a long time to have new music and that's all you play i imagine it's tough yeah well and like they want to like go on tour and shit i'm like i'm an old man like, <laughs> i ain't got time for that <laughs> i'm older than broke already i don't need to be more broke and also sleep deprived and on the road you know yeah <laughs> oh, i get you there too yeah yeah it's kind of what kept me away from from ever trying it i mean it would have just been fun i guess to have like a hobby band but oh yeah if you got like a local venue you can play at i mean mm-hmm. 
there's an open mic in the city I live in. <laughs> there you go, yeah. You play piano, correct? I play piano and I'm, I don't know, beginner level guitar. I was kind of beginner intermediate. I'd written a few songs on guitar that I sing with, you know, I kind of wrote accompaniment for it, but I've never put them anywhere. They're just kind of recorded very poorly on my phone. So that's how everybody starts. So, yeah. But I haven't touched my guitar in a while. I, I kind of have let it fall by the wayside again. I don't own a piano to practice, so that's what I have to do. You know, if you could get any artist on a Ninja Turtle book, who would you want to be an artist on the book? That's a good question. We've had so many good artists on Turtles, you know, like I I really like uh, Frank Bosco and Chris Allen on his his run on adventures. And then we had AC Farley. I always like to get AC Farley back. I think he's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I know like I've liked like Tony Moore's work and uh, oh who's the guy that did Invincible he's on Spider-Man now Otley, Brian Otley I think he'd be cool Yeah, he's done like a cover but he's never done like the long running book yeah I don't I can't decide if I'd want him on a Ninja Turtles book or not I would at least want him to do a cover just because i want to see him draw the turtles but like liam sharp has been like the current artist that like he did the art for the green lantern like grant morrison's run on it oh like, yeah recently. and he's also doing the well he's done the art it's already done but for me it's current because you know things on dc universe are, are late when they come out on the app we talk like, about? uh liam sharp the artist oh, okay and reptilian like he, he does the art for that one too and it looks so cool I just love his art. So there's a part of me that would kind of like him to do Turtles, but at the same time, I feel like it's the wrong tone for Turtles, at mm-hmm. least for the IDW book. You know, maybe it'd have to be something set in like the last Ronin verse for it to work. I don't know. There's this one artist I like. Uh, her name's uh, Sophie Campbell. Uh, <laughs> I kind of want her to do everything Turtles. Yeah. Now, I don't know yeah. what comic artist I would want to do you know what I would want? I would want like a Sonic artist to do Turtles. Makes sense. Like one of like one of the main Sonic uh, books. Um, friend of mine, Bricardi, he's done he's done some covers for IDW Sonic, mm-hmm. and like I would just love to see him draw Turtles. I kind of like to see. I don't, I'm- looking to see if he's even done any turtle stuff but uh phil hester he's got this good book called uh oh i can't what's it called shit but it's it's all about like a a guy who's like in shadows and it's very heavily inked i think that style could could work for turtles it's called like the creep or something what the hell is it called like it's his it's his twitter profile pic i I can't think what it's called though Fiona Staples would be pretty good. Um, Fiona Staples does Saga. Yeah. We've also recently gotten into doing Wordle every day, oh. like New York Times thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you did that. But... I, made I did it for a while, and then I lost one. I was like, well, I'm done forever now. 
Yeah, I like just barely started. This guy was did was doing it at work and got me into it. Hmm. Is that one and one called Nerdle? That's like a math equation. That... I made I made a Wordle joke on our on our Twitter. Oh really? I probably missed that. I, I'm really behind on things. Every everybody missed it. I thought it was a good joke. I called it turtle. And I like it. and the um the the green bricks I use turtle emojis for. <laughs> and the yellow and the yellow ones were pizza. That's good. Joke didn't catch on though. I tried to do it on uh, Instagram as well. I tried to use tonfa as a word, and it mm. didn't recognize it as a as a word. I was like, "Well, they clearly didn't watch Next Mutation," but like three people were like, "Ha ha, <laughs> funny stuff, Keith." Uh, Can't all be bangers, unfortunately. Yeah, I know, but I, I was pretty freaking proud of myself, if I'm being honest. I was proud. <laughs> I was proud of my turtle one. You know what? You know what needs to be out there just for me is just like a Ninja Turtles trivia game that just pulls from like all of Ninja Turtles, so that I have. I mean, I'm pretty good at trivia already with like you know in general, but I'd really get to kick butt with Turtles trivia. You know. Oh yeah. There just something that would test me on that. Something where I can just you know be able to feel like I'm smarter than everyone else. It'd be great. Definitely need more moments like that in my life. <laughs> That's why I'm in all of the uh, groups that I'm in. So I can constantly feel smart. <laughs> Although I did uh, I did see your post, Mike, from Be Up and Rock City, Destroy Everything. God, yeah. Oh, oh god, that was so funny. That's so good. I love the last panel where Bebop's just his arms were up. <laughs> He's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah, no, I'm I'm so glad I finally finished reading that. That was God, that was such a funny book. Oh yeah, no, it's like one of my favorites in it, that it, because... it was slow to start. Oh really? But then I mean for me, okay. um from it was slow to start, but then like once once they like I think it was around issue issue three when they start to get like when they have when they find like the younger versions of themselves mm-hmm. and then they get and then like they have the fight so then like bebop and bebop go to 20 21 16 and rocksteady and rocksteady go to uh 1916 uh-huh. and then when they have that fight and then they accidentally kill like their past selves like that was absolutely hilarious yeah well i think my favorite moment in that story that is just hilarious like the other my other favorite time travel gag from that because this is my personal favorite is when they like them with their human selves crash into them with their human selves and like the human thems just die but the other two just get out of the one car and jump in the car with the other and so like there's just like mutant and mutant bebop and rock city in one car and they just drive off and like the turtles are just standing there like what is going on <laughs> yeah it's it's just it's so stupid fun it, it's it's a yeah. very good book probably yeah. the best miniseries i've read so far it's been a long time since i've read it but i do remember the covers like they all interconnect right so they yeah. make like a big but also if you put number one at the end it's a contiguous picture so it like wraps around itself it's really cool holy shoot i didn't yeah it's it's some like next level cover design it's really good man like that makes me like there are a few things that like make me want to like fork out the money to collect comics like like really collect like 
mm-hmm. like to collect not that would be one of them just the fact yeah. that i get these wraparound covers that's super cool yeah well should we get going might as well all right <clears throat> let me wet the whistle <clears throat>